I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is Olivia Campbell, and we're going to chat about her new book, Women in White Coats. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Olivia, I was so intrigued by this book. Uh, you describe it as a book about the little-known true story of three pioneering women who fought to become the first women doctors revolutionizing healthcare forever. Tell me about how this all came about, why this was important for you. Well, I first found out about uh, this event, uh, this, these women, when I was reading about uh, two riots that happened. Uh, so there was a riot in Philadelphia near where I live, and there was a riot about a year later uh, in Edinburgh, Scotland, where I used to live, actually. I, I lived there for a few years after college. So I was immediately intrigued. Um, by the similarities between these two events. Um, and both were cases, this is, this is in the Victorian era. Uh, this is about 1850 um, something, I think. Okay. Um, but uh, both were cases where men were throwing these violent fits when women appeared alongside them in a medical college situation. Women tried to enter the classroom and men are throwing spitballs at them. They're yelling obscenities. Um, huh. throwing rotten eggs and trash at, at the women. They're covering their, their dresses in mud. Um, and I, this really sparked my interest in this era uh, of women's rights and women's trying to, to earn more rights. Um, I, was, I was appalled uh, and inspired and fascinated, all these things. I wanted to know more about women who were trying to become doctors during this time. It reminds me of a film I loved, Hidden Figures. Oh, great. Fantastic. Yes. That, that was an incredible film. I could definitely see this as a film. I, I would love it. I've been trying to, I've been racking my brain thinking about who I would cast as these, these women. Um, I think it, it could be a lot of fun. There's some really powerful um, some women in this book. There's a really interesting friendships, some really unlikely friendships, some, you know, difficult relationships. I love examining um, the kind of back and forth within the women's movement, the kind of fighting that went on and the you know, disagreements about how the movement should work and how they should keep moving forward. Um, you know, what was the right way? What was the best way for women to earn these rights? So I love those little back and forth and those between, in between women, not just you know, women versus men or women versus the world versus society, but women versus women, women trying to figure out you know, what's the best way forward for all of us. Sure. What was the process like for writing this? I mean, how did you come across the these women that you wanted to highlight? Well, at first the book was uh, covering a lot more people. I really wanted to um, include women from the Women's Hospital of Pennsylvania, which was near where I live, okay. but I had to cut them out. I had to streamline and just focus on these three women because their relationship was so fascinating. Their, their storyline was so interconnected that I had to refocus and just on these three women and how they had to come together, put their differences aside and work together to build a women's hospital and a women's medical school. So tell, let's jump right into uh, Dr. Elizabeth Blackwell. She of course is like the original, right? Everyone kind of has heard of her uh, in the US. Um, so she's more, the more well-known of these figures, especially in this country, um, probably in the UK, Elizabeth Garrett is, is pretty well-known also. Mm -hmm. um, but Blackwell is, is like the original, she's, she's the first. Um, and she is, inspires basically all the other ones that come after her. So her, she's inspired, directly inspired Elizabeth Garrett. And then 
she kind of inspired Sophia Jex Blake in a sort of roundabout way. One of her assistants uh, in New York uh, moved to Boston and started a women's medical school and um, hospital there. And that's where Sophia was, was her interest in medicine was sparked. So in a roundabout way, it all comes back to Elizabeth Blackwell. And I love how she didn't even really have any intention of studying medicine, but then she has this friend, Mary, that needed, you know, this lady doctor because she didn't want some guy examining her. And here Mary is dying of uterine cancer. Right. So she she has some sort of gynecological cancer and Elizabeth goes over to, to, you know, see her dying neighbor and kind of, you know, be by her side and support her. And at this point, Elizabeth has been a teacher supporting her family for many years. Um, and she has zero interest in medicine. She, she's kind of, you know, has revolted by, by the whole idea that her friend is like, please, you know, someone, I really wish someone would, would start this movement. Someone needs to be a woman doctor, right? Yes. My illness would have been so much easier if my doctor had been a woman. So, sure. hey, Elizabeth, you should, you should do this. You should be the one to start, be the first. And at first she's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> not happening that that's gross so yeah. but it kind of plants this little seed in her mind and she's like comes comes around to the idea and has decided that yes yes this is it and for me what, what I felt about her was that she really was about pushing boundaries it was about women's movement it was kind of neither here nor there that it was medicine honestly I think she could have done it in any profession but she really wanted to show that women could succeed in professions other than teaching Amazing. So Elizabeth Blackwell was the first woman to become, to earn a medical degree. In the U.S., yes. Yes. Amazing. So, um, and then from there, you know, I've heard the name Florence Nightingale, but I didn't really know exactly who she was. So Florence Nightingale um, is pretty well known in the U.K., Um, She, she was British. So Elizabeth Blackwell met her um, after she got her MD in the US. She, she's originally from the UK. Uh, so she's British. She, she kind of goes back and forth between London and New York pretty often. Um, but Blackwell goes over to London uh, right after she earns a degree. She's getting additional training. She's working at hospitals uh, in London and she goes to Paris for a long time to the maternity hospital there and, and trains a kind of internships um, that she couldn't find in the US. You know, a woman wasn't welcome, so she had to go to Europe. Um, but she meets Florence Nightingale and they're great, great friends. They hit it off perfectly. Um, so at this point, Florence is not famous. She's just really wishing to become a nurse. She's stuck at home. She's like, I want to do something with my life. I don't want to just be a, a wife. You know, I want to be more. So I think Elizabeth Blackwell plays a part in kind of inspiring her there. Um, and then Elizabeth goes off to Paris and then comes back to New York. And meanwhile, Florence Nightingale finally becomes a nurse and gets her training. And then she goes to the Crimean War and becomes famous for kind of kind of revolutionizing nursing uh, and what nursing could be. The whole idea of the kind of um, the angelic nurse, the savior nurse is kind of born with Florence Nightingale. But then a few years pass, um, Elizabeth comes back to London and asks Florence Nightingale to use the money that um, the public has raised for her to open a nursing school and ask if they could work together and found uh, a medical school that would train women as doctors and nurses. And Florence says, no, she only wants to train nurses. She doesn't think women should be doctors. So that's another fascinating disagreement. I know, right? That's surprising. (laughs) So they never did anything together. That would have been incredible, right? The Blackwell Nightingale 
uh, you know, training school and hospital, that, that would have been a, a great resource for women to train uh, and then do internships at the hospital. But no, Florence Smart said, no, I don't, I don't believe that women should do this. I think they should stay nurses. That's, that's all they should be. So that didn't go anywhere. I, I found it also interesting that, um, and you touched on this a little, you know, in the early 1800s, if you're a woman and you're dying of something, you know, it's like, you don't feel you have anybody to relate to any, any doctor because they're mostly male. And I don't think they knew what they were doing. Almost universally. Um, the, the comments that the first women doctors were getting was, oh my gosh, I can finally talk to someone now about what's bothering me. Thank you so much for, for being here. You know, yeah. uh, I think Sophia mentions when she is working in, in Boston with them, she's like, I, on the mornings where women man the clinic, it's packed. And on the mornings where a man mans the clinic, there's like nobody there. So there's just, you know, anecdotal evidence, but still like she's making these observations that women really were clamoring for to see a woman doctor that they could really fully describe what was wrong with them. Amazing. What, what would you like listeners to know without giving too much away in the book? Um, I, I think my, my main goal with this is that sexism was never okay. Honestly, I think that's the, the overarching uh, idea here is that people like to excuse the things in the past, whether it's sexism or racism, say, well, that's just how it was, right? You know, that's how people were. Well, you know what? People have always been standing up and saying, no, this is not okay. As long as people have been being sexist, people have been saying, no, that's not okay. Right. Um, and then are you planning on doing another book along the same theme or are you on to your next project? I, I am looking right now for my next uh, book idea. Um, I definitely want to stay in the um, women scientists uh, in history theme for sure. I don't know if it's going to be doctors again. I think I want to pick a different science this time. Um, mm-hmm. I want to I want to open it up to, to something else. But I really want to do the the kind of uncovering women's role. Like women had a much bigger role than we think in in a lot of science areas. So I think that's something I definitely want to stick with. And as you were writing this, were there some kind of, I'm sure there were some surprises on the, along the way where you, where you thought, oh my gosh, you know, I never would have imagined or things like that. Oh, there's so, so many. Um, I think the biggest one was kind of how little time went into getting a medical degree at this time. Like it's essentially like an undergrad degree, like especially in America. In the UK, yeah. it was more stringent. There was about four years of training and then you had, you know, uh, internships, et cetera, and dissertations. But in the US, they, they had, when Elizabeth Blackwell started school is the year that the American Medical Association was born. And they had just decided to make medical school like two years now, instead of just a few months. Uh, so this is really not a lot of training. Um, men were showing up with medical degrees to uh, a birth and never having seen a live birth. Right? Oh they only gosh. read about it. <laughs> so, How scary. Yeah, this is what women were dealing with is male doctors who had never actually, you know, been been to a birth before had only read had only seen pictures in a a textbook or something. (laughs) Plus, at some point, women used to be, well, I used to use the expression knocked out when they gave birth, They, they were given something right. So yeah, it was actually Queen Victoria who was one of the first uh, to do the chloroform, kind of bring that into fashion, the chloroform birthing <laughs> um, to be knocked out. So yeah, there weren't a whole lot of like C-sections being done at the time because they couldn't really knock you out reliably well. But um, yeah, this was really before there was a widespread use of, uh, of any kind of knockout agents. 
I wonder if that's even dangerous. Uh, you know, they, they yes, I, I'm sure that um, experiments with uh, chloroform and all the other things to try to, to get you, you know, to a point where you weren't feeling the surgeries and things yeah. were, were definitely not safe. <laughs> well, like I said, I really see this as a film. I would love to see that. It would be incredible. So where can people find out more about you? So my website is at ocampbellwriter.com. Uh, and if you want a signed copy of the book, my local independent bookstore, Newtown Bookshop, Com. They can hook you up. I got a, a brighter website there. Amazing. I want to mention to listeners, this is your first book. We've been speaking with Elizabeth Campbell, and she's a journalist and author specializing in medicine and women. Her work has appeared in The Guardian, The Washington Post, New York Magazine, and The Cut, among others. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. You too.